Great, so we are recording, cool. So one month ago, I, it was actually the week after Mother's Day, I was on my play mat with Ollie and my husband came downstairs from work. We were in quarantine, we still are in quarantine. And I had a mental breakdown. I started crying and not to diminish the fact that like, that I was very emotional and going through um, COVID as a working mom, um, it was, which is a massive challenge. And that's why I'm so glad to have you both on Brave Talks today to talk about this experience in a real format. Um, so I told Matt, you know, like I, and in a way I feel like the moment had to get so bad or so challenging for him to take it seriously enough. And I don't know if you guys have this experience with your partners or with business partners or whatever. Um, so I had this breakdown and I was like, I can't take this anymore. Like we need help with the, our relationship. I need help mentally because I'm having so much anxiety that I can't, I can't live through this moment and feel well. Uh, I feel unwell and disconnected. Um, which so many people are feeling right now. So I had this moment with him and um, finally I felt like I had my chance at getting time back to myself because we had the privilege of having a nanny helping us before COVID. And then with COVID um, she didn't come. So just for safety precautions and, you know, it was just a lot to handle as a mother, an entrepreneur, and a wife, and all the other roles that we fill and the expectations that we have. So, Robin, I'm curious how you've been handling the quarantine as a new mama of two, running this massive company, and um, living in New York City. <laughs> it's been wild. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny, though, that and everyone says this with second baby. So I feel like this is probably a common experience for moms, but like the first, you're with your first baby, you're like, I have a baby. What do I do with this baby? And every day you're like, ah, and then second baby, you're like, this baby's easy. I got a toddler. What do I do with this toddler? <laughs> um, so for me, <laughs> you know, the three-year-old who's suddenly not in school and needs, you know, full-time help. And then you've got this little baby just like hanging out um, baby's like the easy one. Um, you know, I think it does though command this like extra level of attention and yeah, it's been really challenging. And what I, what I've been saying is, you know, people with kids are having a very different pandemic experience than people without kids, because what it takes to be raising your children and doing your job confined in the home or in an apartment, you know, somewhere with schools and playgrounds closed, this is not, this is not sustainable. This is like, this is too much. And so for anyone, I think hitting that wall for yourself or with your partner, um, or if you like freak out at your kids, I just think it's completely normal. Are you suggesting any mental health remedies, et cetera, for your clients at Parsley Health? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think first of all, you have to take some time out for yourself every day. Um, and if you're a mom, especially that might be like the nighttime, right? You get your kids in bed and, you know, a lot of people are filling in the work gaps at that time, right? Which is so hard and so challenging, but 
you have to take some waking time where you're not like glued to the news, which is just keeping you on a rinse and repeat cycle of freak out uh, and have some space. And I think space from your partner and also your friends, also the Zoom chats. Um, so that's number one, take some space. Um, a lot of people are drinking a lot more, more alcohol in this uh, setting. I am for sure. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, not every day is a Saturday. Got to take a little break here. Um, so that's another big one because alcohol on a daily basis, even if it's just a drink, um, can really put those kind of put a gray lens on the world and really start to mess with your mood. Alcohol is a depressant. It certainly is for me. Um, so looking at your behaviors and then finding some way to exercise. Exercise is nature's antidepressant, anxiety reliever. Um, you know, it's the most underutilized antidepressant drug. And so um, doing that, I think, because you've got to put gas in the tank in normal circumstances as a mom to keep going. And now you don't have the outlets, right? You don't have your friends. You don't have your going to your office to escape the kids or get some space from your partner. Um, and then I think for me, the last thing that's helped and it's helping our, our patients at Parsley is like, this is normal. So like if you are fighting with your partner, maybe your marriage isn't going like down the tubes. Maybe it's just that like, you've been in each other's space for three months nonstop, right? And that's cool, like that's okay. And like, let's not like make it this whole story. Let's just be like, all right, we need a little space from each other because what two humans wouldn't, right? For sure. Um, Danielle, when you work, are you working from home? I'm assuming you are. Yes. Okay. And you have a toddler star and your husband is working from home too, or he's home with you, I assume. Yeah. Um, my husband, after we had her decided to be a stay at home dad. So, um, I'm fortunate in that I have his support during the day. Um, but I think no matter your situation right now, it's tough for different reasons. Um, you know, it's tough to be confined in any space, like whether you have kids or not. Um, it's made me think a lot about single parents. Like mm -hmm. my mom was a single parent and like even under normal circumstances, like how somebody is a single parent, I just, I have so much respect and awe. Totally. And then I've been thinking in this, like, what if you have one, two kids and you're doing it by yourself and you have to work? I just, I don't know. So I've been trying to, in the midst of my personal struggles, which, you know, I've had anxiety. I've had, um, I had to like get out of New York City because New York is just, I think, probably one of the toughest places to quarantine. It's like you're here in the city for the people, places and things and none of those are available to you and your apartments are not designed to be <laughs> spent 24 seven in. Um, so I had to get out and that really helped my, my mental state. Um, getting in nature was really, really helpful. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's really, really difficult to, um, juggle working from home with a kid. And then Robin, you said it like also spending 24 seven with your partner and not having your normal, um, you know, like I miss my women. I miss all my sisters. I miss, you know, all of you guys so much. And I, um, you know, we we're not supposed to do this alone. Like we're not supposed to raise children alone. We're not supposed to live life alone or even just with one single partner. So I've been trying to be really also conscious of 
what I'm putting on him that wouldn't normally go to him, that would normally go to the women in my life and my friends, um, and how maybe perhaps that's a little unfair and just be really conscious of it. It doesn't mean I can stop putting it on him, <laughs> but um, trying to be aware of where my anxiety is bubbling over onto him um, and trying to be more candid. And that's now four months in, like month one, two, two and a half to three. I, it was not, I was not so conscious of those things, but now I feel like it's been long enough for me to start to reflect on how this has impacted me in our lives. It's a very conscious answer, <laughs> and I feel like you're very aware. I'm One of the things I'm that, not doing it, you know. <laughs> One of the things that is my hot button, and I'm curious to hear if it resonates with either of you, is the idea that women, when we get the opportunity to go work or you know time for ourselves we have so much gratitude. I'm like, thank you for taking my child. Thank you for, you're such a good dad. You, you know, you change the baby's diaper, you do X, Y, and Z. And we have like such a low bar and expectations yeah. for a partner or for men. And um, for me, like this morning, I was over at, uh, we're staying at the beach and I came over to, we have a house here too. And um, I came here to get away. And I thanked my husband for the couple of hours that I was going to get off. And I was like, what the fuck? Why did I do that? Like my husband would have never left his condo. God bless him. He's an amazing man. But men in general, generally speaking, probably wouldn't do that. And so I'm talking to two powerhouse women right now. And do you um, have any, you know, tips or things that bug you about, you know, apologizing for yourself or yeah, totally. um, thank, thank you too much or like giving men too much credit? Yeah, I think it, um, you know, even my husband is amazing and obviously takes on a lot of the childcare during the day. And even, even to watch our natural rhythms, like he's the caretaker, you know, from whatever in the morning to whatever in the evening but still so much falls on me just being the mother. Um, and I think a lot of it comes from actually us. Like I, I assume so many responsibilities that I, I think if I just sat down and had the conversation with him, like I don't wanna assume this responsibility anymore that he would be really open to that not happening. Um, but I almost don't know how to let go of that. So like, I feel like a lot of times I put the pressure on myself. Like, I don't know how to necessarily, I don't even, I don't even think I have the awareness of what things I want to give up, what's too much. Like, it just feels like motherhood. And I don't know, I haven't done a good job of figuring out my boundaries yet. I mean, I've been at this for two years, which maybe sounds like a long time, but I don't think I'm, I'm there yet. Um, and I think that, the, the responsibilities that we take on as women are so ingrained in us, like from culture, from even though our roles are kind of flipped between my husband and I, I still feel like I need to make dinner. I still feel like I'm in charge of her doctor schedule. I'm in charge of her nap and going to bed. Like I still help him decide when that happens. I, it's like the rhythm still comes from me. 
And I don't know if that's because it actually needs to, or I've just taken the steering wheel and my husband naturally sat in the passenger seat. And if that actually could flip if I let it. TBD, I'll let you know. Uh, yeah, let us know about that. Robin, what's your experience been like? You know, it's so interesting listening to Danielle talk about that because I'm now, as she's, as you were speaking, Danielle, I'm like self-reflecting. I'm like, where is like, where is that motor coming from in our house? And so, you know, my husband and I are both working full time through this. We're both working from home. So we're like, he literally like installed a door from the hardware store on the dining room and he left a little <laughs> lock and he's like, he ordered this like huge monitor when COVID started and he's like, bah. Right. Um, but he also, you know, I used to cook a lot and something of something of in the intersection or Venn diagram of kids and startup led to Robin. Like I, I, I look at the kitchen and I just, it's like, it seems neat. Um, but I can't, I can't, I can't get there. It's so weird. Cause I actually love healthy food and I love cooking. So my husband does like 90% of the cooking. And I lately, I'm sometimes I feel guilty about that. Cause like, if he doesn't, he like walks in at some point in the afternoon with a plate of like fried eggs and veggies for lunch. And I'm always like, thank you. And like left to my own devices, I'll like forget, you know, um, I'm sort of one of those people. And so he's doing all of this work and yet I'm, I'm still breastfeeding. I'm still pumping. So that's three hours a day on top of everything else across the two things. Um, and I think you know, in our house, I think also, and this is somewhat stereotypical, but some of the emotional labor of parenting comes from mom, right? Like when the toddler's freaking out, you know, dad tends to want to be like, stop freaking out. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, if I'm freaking out, if you just tell me to stop freaking out, that usually doesn't help. So like, I'm the one, my son has had a harder time going to bed recently the past couple of weeks. We, 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 I just think there's like a lot for him and and he's normally like an as amazing sleeper so like last night total meltdown total temper tantrum and david just like loses his my husband like loses his patience finally and i'm like the one in bed with my son for like 40 minutes like telling him stories and talking to him and so it's that emotional balance of the house that you feel like the emotional rudder regardless of like you know, if we lined up all the tasks or the chores or the family tasks, whether it's shopping or cleaning or cooking or diaper changing, like, I think those would actually be pretty evenly distributed in my house. But um, it's the, the, the rudder of the house, as you say, in motherhood, that no matter what falls to you. And I definitely feel that on an emotional level. You two are so inspiring to me on my motherhood journey you both had children before me and danielle there have been moments that i've followed you and i've written to you and you know been able to chat with you through those moments thankfully um but to see you wearing star at networking meetings and i believe you're like in a ball gown or some fancy <laughs> gown and you know, just to feel, I felt so empowered because for a long time, well, for my entire postpartum period until I really had my sisters pulling me out and saying, hey, you can do this. Um, I, be I truly believed that you couldn't have it all. Meaning, I mean, of course you can make sacrifices here and there, but you couldn't be a mom and an entrepreneur and be a great mom and a great entrepreneur um, and a great wife um, 
And when I saw that and I see things like that, and Robin, you do similar things too, it inspires me and empowers me to, um, to really break those limiting beliefs and try to whatever it is, X, Y, and Z. For me, it was start Brave Talks. You know, like, let's just try it and see if I can do it. Um, and so thank you for doing that, first mm -hmm. of all, because it really is paving the way for so many women, those like small victories. And I'm curious um, for you in your mindset, like when you had to make that decision, was it because you didn't have childcare? Uh, were you like, I'm, I'm going to take Star with me maybe to make a point and show all moms I can do this? Or was it because you didn't have childcare or was it? You know, what yeah. was it? Uh, it's a great question. I think it was several converging things. Um, one, I am lucky enough to own my own business. So um, I never felt like I had to apologize for my choices. Um, I had three months maternity leave. And then... I decided really early on that I was not going to apologize across the board, that um, I was just going to try and really listen to my gut and my intuition and what felt right. Um, and so that meant that I had to just like, if some, if it felt right bringing her to the office, I had to try it out um, and see if it felt right once I was there. And then I also felt this responsibility. You know, I have, I'm a leader of a company. We have 200 employees. Uh, we have a lot of women, our entire leadership team, executive team is all women. And a lot of them had become mothers before I had. And so I didn't understand what choices they were making, um, to show up the way they were showing up every single day. And I felt like they didn't feel like they had the same freedom that I did in terms of like, could they bring their kid to work? And so I decided that you know, you can't just like lead by writing down, you know, your employee contract on paper and here are the rules and here's your maternity leave, but to just try and lead by example and create a different culture. You know, I'm not, I'm not just a CEO at work. I'm also a mother at work. And when I come home, you know, I don't get to just like turn off work. I'm also a CEO at, at home with my family. And I, I decided that, you know, letting my worlds merge was okay um, and that that was me doing my best. Um, and I think that what culture and society asks of mothers is unreasonable. Like we're supposed to do it all and be it all and then like not feel guilty for being at work all day and not seeing our kids, but then not feel guilty for being home for dinner and not being at work. And it's just, it's too much. So the only way I could kind of quiet those voices of like, I should be doing this or I should be doing that was just to juggle a little more, um, to be okay, you know, carrying her and keeping her and bringing her to the office, be okay, you know, having to leave a board meeting for 30 minutes to go pump and not saying, sorry, I have to leave, but, you know, really watching my, my um, apologetic nature. Um, and yeah, just, I think every that's what worked for me and I don't think that's what has to work for every woman to do it right I think my biggest lesson in all of that was just listen to what feels right 
Um, and you might be surprised. Like I didn't have anything figured out when I gave birth. I had no idea what the future was going to look like. I had no idea if we were going to get a nanny, if we could even afford a nanny, if I could bring her to work, if I would want my whole maternity leave or I'd start to feel nervous. Um, so I think motherhood brings a, a, a certain level of connection to your intuition. Um, and it's really the time to listen. And so just listening to what feels right for you, I think is the best North Star. I love the unapologetic practice. It's so powerful. And it's one that I've really embraced as, especially now as a mom, because we don't have a lot of time to do the things that we want and need to do. And, you know, to not apologize to take time for yourself or to run a business or, you know, whatever it is that you need to be doing is so powerful. <clears throat> so I appreciate you sharing that with us because it's, definitely one thing that I can even embrace more as we continue through entrepreneurship, motherhood, and, and COVID wildness. Um, Robin, what's your experience been like in terms of being a mother entrepreneur and apologizing or, you know, that aspect of entrepreneurship as a mom? It's so funny because like the with I, now I have two to compare, right? And um, it's so different in, in the two circumstances as I've been more experienced as a mom. I think with my first, I was so afraid that having a baby was going to like hold me back and I wasn't going to be able to run the company anymore and I wasn't going to be able to fundraise and I wasn't going to be able to do this, that, and the other. And I think I was so like hell bent on kind of proving that I could, right? So because I had this like anxiety that I wasn't going to be able to do it. And so I was like, with my first, I was like fundraising nine months pregnant, which was like sort of a disaster. And then I had to pick it back up again after I had my son. And that was like a really scary moment because I kind of lost momentum. And I remember just having this like nails on nail, like fingernails, like trying to hold on to the edge of a wall, like sliding moment where I was like, I think this whole thing is falling apart. I had like a two month old and I had to go back out and fundraise. And I was like, I just think this is, we're like, we've hit the limit. Um, and I remember seeing one of my, my friends and, and advisors and he was like, Robin, pull yourself together. Like go, go be the Robin I know who can like give a head talk in her sleep and like go raise some money. And I was like, oh yeah. I can do this, right? Um, and so I had to kind of like find myself again um, in that, but I also didn't give myself a lot of slack. So with my first, I remember like, he was two months, two and a half old, months old and we were like on a plane to San Francisco and then we were on a plane to LA and I barely took any maternity leave. Like I had him on a Monday and I was on a call on a Friday and I was really proud of that, right? Like I, I, I ran the business so, and we were a lot smaller then. So I had the luxury I would say of being able to like work from home and do things from like in terms of calls work from home before work from home was you know enforced upon us um but I think I was so just bent on proving that I could do it and I think I put a lot of pressure on myself and in the experience of those first I would say six months to a year what I realized or learned is that I had I was much greater than I gave myself credit for like motherhood is an expansion not a subtraction. And so I could be every other person that I, who I thought I was 
um, and all the roles within that. And that I could also, it was an and not an or, I could be mom. And so my son, I would say, like, I was less intentional. I was more shown that by through motherhood and through having my son. And then I think that gave me confidence with my daughter, who I just had in February, um, to be like, I know that I can, I can be this and I can be more in my feminine and still run this company and still do the things I need to do and still breastfeed and not, not feel this pressure that I have to like prove that I can do it because like, fuck yeah, I can do it. And, but I didn't know that until my son. Um, And I was very afraid that that wasn't going to be the case. So, and then in in COVID and I think, you know, I I consider being able to work from home at all a massive privilege because I have friends in medicine who are essential workers working on the front lines in hospitals. Everyone who doesn't have the ability to work from home, like, you know, truly like God bless you. And, and I think just with all the trials and tribulations of working from home, I think it's such a privilege. And, but at the same time, this working from home has also not only been a privilege, it's also given me a gift because I'm spending much more time with my daughter as an infant than I spent really with my son at this period. Cause I was already by like five months in, like, on the go again, proving that I could do it. Um, and so to be able to have these like lazy mornings where I wake up and I breastfeed her and then I pump with her in bed next to me and I have like over an hour just hanging with her, um, I think has been like another gift given to me. So I just keep like trying to be open to, and this is what I encourage other moms to be, especially if you're running a business of any kind is like, be open to what motherhood can show you about yourself um, and how much, how expansive it can potentially be for you rather than sort of saying, you know, it has to be this way with that way or the other, because that's probably been my biggest lesson and it continues to be even with baby too. Yeah. And also I'd say that the women on, or the mothers on our team are some of like the most efficient, like get so much shit done. It's not even a question. You just learn how to multitask and you learn the importance of a minute. (laughs) So you just end up getting so much more done, uh, especially at the workplace than I think we did before we were mothers. And then also Robin, what that made me think is when you were talking is that there aren't a ton, example, a ton of examples for us on what m- leadership looks like as a mother in business. And there are certainly some, and, and I, but I think this is really the time where it's happening more and more. And I think what has to change is, and you mentioned this is like, you can still be in the feminine, you can still be a feminine leader in kind of the masculine world of business. And I've been asking myself this a lot of like, what is, what is like, you know, I I often think of masculine as like 90 degree angles and feminine as the circle. And so business is a lot of 90 degree angles and how do we kind of make it more circular? And so that was another reason I wanted to merge my life as a mother and my life as a CEO a little more, because I think that it, it enables the kind of like the more circular thinking, the more feminine way to approach things. Um, and I think as leaders and, and women in business, we have to start to think like, what is the feminine version of business life and work life? What does that look like? I don't have the answer, but I think it's something we have to like think about for future generations. 
And, but you're right that we don't have a lot of examples because I think like prior generations of moms who were working, like my mom was the first female partner in her law firm. Um, and that generation who kind of like paved the way for success in the business world as women, yep. they did it mainly by like sort of hiding their feminine or hiding their motherhood, right? It wasn't like the celebrated thing which you're bringing into your workplace. And so as a result, we don't have a ton of examples of like, what does it look like integrated? To be both, um, yeah. Creating that as, as we go, for sure. Yeah. One of the things you said, Robin, was um, talking about having gratitude for yourself and that motherhood really expanded you and for me and, and your value and your, your self-worth in my opinion. So for me, one of my experiences postpartum, which I wasn't clinically diagnosed, but um, I feel very strongly that I had postpartum depression and anxiety was that I didn't feel like I had any value anymore, that I was um, just a stay-at-home mom. And truly that's how I felt that, you know, this whole career and life that I had prior to having my son was amazing. I was independent. I was flying around and, you know, pack up one day and fly to Europe for a photo shoot. And the next day I'd be, you know, in South America and then I'd be in New York City and then wherever I was going. And it was so fun. Um, which is like our 20s anyway, right? Like we all miss it. We're like, yeah, that's that's everyone's story. Um, but one of my meditation practices now is just meditating on my the gratitude that I have for everything that I've been through and the appreciation I have for myself now having that birthright as a mother and being through that transition and saying, okay, but I'm still the same Emily, even though a piece of us dies and is reborn when we have a child. Um, like I'm still that girl, that, that woman I was before, but now even greater because I have more context and more experience. Um, and so like that really helped me feel worthy again and start to come out of that along with having some really strong sisters in my life breathe life into me and like put some wind in my sails and say like, you know, like you were saying about, you know, where's the Robin that, you know, was having a Ted talk in her sleep. I had a girlfriend who was like, you're, you're going to get your ass out there and do this again. And I'm going to be there for you every step of the way. And she really sacrificed to get me to that place. And she's one of those women that we're all talking about. Like her name's Amy Jo Martin. And she has a podcast called Why Not Now, but she guides women renegades in doing entrepreneurial things. So she um, she really took my hand and she was one of those women that very few of us, you know, there are very few of them that we can look to for leadership and for a roadmap or for support. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to touch upon that, like the idea of meditating on gratitude and appreciation for yourself is such a valuable tool, especially as a mom, to realize that you're not nothing, you know, like you, you can contribute and even more than, than ever before, because you have such an incredible experience under your belt. Um, so one of the other questions that I was really interested in and in asking both of you is about opinions and apologies, because the lawnmower 
during our pod, during our show, so I don't know if you can hear them, um, but they're lawn mowing right outside. Um, so, okay, great. So um, one of my questions is about opinions. So when I was, um, when I became a new mom, I got so many opinions from family members, from friends, but mostly family members about the way that I should be mothering and the way that I should be feeling, you know, and I um, am curious for me, like one of them is, oh, you know, <clears throat> the diminishing of my feelings because I'm feeling a certain way, like um, not resentful for all the time that I had with my son, but um, that I didn't have time for myself and, you know, comments that I would get were not to hurt me, but just culturally what we're raised as women to believe that, oh, we should be grateful to have all that time and to, we should enjoy every minute with that baby. And while, yeah, like ideally, yes, I am grateful and I enjoy every minute with my baby, you know, like these opinions are damaging because they can strip people from really pursuing their dreams and, and their purpose and their goal in life. And so I'm wondering how either of you experienced these opinions and how did you overcome them if you did? Um, yes, I mean, so many opinions, especially on social. Like, I don't know how you guys feel, but um, like I feel very supported by the community of mothers on social, but at the same time, I think sometimes uh, they, it can go the wrong way. Like it can be what you said, like advice instead of um, just support. Um, I think that as with anything, but especially motherhood, nobody knows better than you. And, um, I try not to take anything personally because that is about them. Um, now, when it comes to your feelings, like that's different. That's not just advice that's telling you how you should feel. Um, and usually when we are communicating our feelings, it's because we want to be heard. And so if we're not heard, then that can be really damaging. But I try and remember that usually people have really good intentions. And that just back to that idea of intuition and letting my intuition guide me, like I didn't know what attachment parenting was when I had my child. I just, you know, I just did what felt right for us. Um, and I think if we can learn to listen to our voices and let our voices be the loudest, we can make room for people's best intentions and then um, and advice and then let it go. Um, I, I think what actually has had a more negative impact on me is um, that I've like allowed to seep in is not necessarily advice because I can kind of see that as like their stuff and, and I can take and leave what I want. But actually now as my child's getting older, like comparing her to my friend's kids, like if I do that myself. Um, that's nobody else doing it to me. And just like 
you know, one kid takes like a four hour nap and then sleeps like 12 hours at night. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Like, that is not what my life is like. Or, you know, one kid like is, has so many more words than mine. Or, um, you know, like I've never seen that kid have a temper tantrum, <laughs> just like comparing um, and so that's actually where I've had a more difficult time drawing my lines and my boundaries of making sure that doesn't affect me. Um, so I've tried to remember that like every child has their own path and my job is not to like dictate her path or, you know, control her path, but to just guide her path um, and be there as she kind of stumbles along and, and um, I want to be really careful not to put my expectations on her. And when I compare how I'm parenting or how she's growing up to how other people are doing it, um, I think that can be really dangerous. So, um, I, again, I just think our best tool is I, I, this word came to me actually when I was in birth. Um, and it's been a word that I actually meditate on and it's grace. Um, and just this idea of, I think grace is so all encompassing in terms of forgiveness, in terms of fluidity and letting things come and go in terms of, you know, not being angry at myself for when I don't do things as well as I think I could, or not being worried if she's not, you know, walking at 10 months and another kid is um, just like holding grace and holding space for what is, has been my mantra. That's been really helpful. I need that one. Um, <laughs> it, I think, you know, I think something that we like don't consciously think about a lot. I've been thinking about a lot lately or like, what are the paradigms of parent that we're kind of living by, but we don't really realize we're living by. Like a lot of us grew up, um, where like, once you're a parent, you act like this, you know? What is your home environment like? Like your home, therefore you need to be a parent. Therefore you need to be in this role. Like fun happens elsewhere. Fun doesn't happen at home. And home parenting happens or work happens, right? We have all of these ideas that we've grown up with in our own families or our own cultures of what our experience looks like when we become a parent. And also what that role means. And that role, I think for a lot of us means like, frankly, like I'm an only child, so I didn't see my parents with other kids. And I always found other families really fascinating growing up because like sibling dynamics were like fascinating to me. But like by and large, you know, you sort of culturally learn no matter how many other kids you're around or you learn from within your own family, like what it means to be a parent. And then you kind of put yourself in that box. And you also can communicate with your child in a way I think that's like, oh, I'm parenting your child. And so one of the things that I'm, I'm very aware of all the time is how do I be present with my son as a person um, and my daughter, even though she, you know, infant, it's like they coo and they laugh and it's kind of easy to be present with them as a person. But like, then they get a little bit older and they start having like will and personality and they want to do things that you don't necessarily want them to do um, or say things you don't necessarily want them to say, but how to get out of this mode of I am parent, you are child to like, how do we connect on a heart level? How do we connect at a spirit level? How do I be present for what is actually happening? Because I think when we get feel judged or we get feel like put down by the advice that people outside of us are giving us, it's when we stop being present for what's actually happening in front of us, right? 
Um, and I'll ask myself sometimes like, you know, am I really worried about this or is this going to be okay? And I'm, I'm worried because somebody else has, has told me to be worried. Right. And I think as humans, like we're, we're porous and we match, like I think of, I have this concept of like matching energy, right? Like we match the energy of the news. We match the energy of our friends. We match the energy of what we see on social media. Like oftentimes our energy state isn't us. It's us matching something else. And so like when you can bring it back into now and a now moment and like be present with your kid and be like, you know, is there a problem here or am I, oh, it's a problem because, you know, I've matched my friend's energy and my friend is stressed about their kid, you know, and how many words they have or whether they have, they're having the temper tantrum. Cause like, I agree with Danielle, like your, your intuition, your body kind of knows that like visceral knowledge if like something's actually wrong or not. Um, it's funny for me, I don't get a lot of unsolicited advice because people assume that because I'm a doctor, I know like everything. <laughs> and I, I, there's no parenting school in your four years of your MD. Like, trust me, like just because I went to med school doesn't mean I'm a pediatrician. It doesn't mean that I know every dosage of an antibiotic for an ear infection at the age of five versus three. Um, it doesn't mean that I know how to be an awesome parent. So I'm like a big in everything I do, like advice solicitor. Like I love asking questions like with Parsley, you know, I've had to learn legal and operations and HR and finance. And I never learned any of those things in medical school either. So I've had to like go out and solicit from my community how to do those things. And the same thing for parenting. Now with my one friend who I know doesn't care about like non-toxic and like feeds her kids like goldfish all day. I'm like, cool, I'll take her advice about this one thing, but I'll know that I like won't take her advice about these other things as much as I love her. Um, and I might connect with another mom who's like, I know is like vibing with me on kind of the things that we want in our home or what we might want to buy um, environmentally or otherwise, like our value set, right? Um, and it's not right or wrong. It's just like how we do things. But I'm like a big solicitor of advice and a texter of other moms. And, you know, cause I think some people think that like, I, I know more than I do um, and or like don't want to um, call me out. Although I did talk, did one post on social about um, sort of lightly sleep training. And it was kind of one of my first tastes of uh, what the community can react to, you know, like how you like hit a nerve about, you know, some people are super pro sleep training. Some people are like militantly anti, like you're harming your child, all this stuff. And you're like, wow. This is so interesting. Um, so I've, I've felt it a little bit, um, but mostly I'm the one asking, like asking a lot of questions, to be honest. Yeah, and we've been lucky enough, Robin, we're a part of that, like this WhatsApp group of moms who are like constantly texting back and forth and with advice and books and thoughts and covering everything from, you know, sleep training to traveling with a baby to sex after birth to, you know, emotional, spiritual, mental health. So yeah, as much, as much wisdom as, you know, can come from mothers. Yeah. I think it's also just putting, um, allowing ourselves to like be the experts mm -hmm. for ourselves because I do think that we know what's best, but that doesn't mean we don't reach out to for advice also. Thank you both so much for being on Brave Talks and for sharing all your your stories and just being super honest and being leaders and 
showing us where we can go as women and professionals and entrepreneurs. Um, I just appreciate the stories and thank you. Thanks for having us. It was so refreshing not to just talk about like food and nutrition the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Bacterial overgrowth, like one time. It's like, I I did get slammed with questions. Um, People wanted to know about like holistic postpartum remedies and how to stay healthy during COVID. And I'm like, great questions. You can DM them because (laughs) you probably answer that on every other show. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really grateful for the vulnerability because it's how we grow, especially as women and as mothers to have these honest conversations and to destigmatize some of the things we're talking about is just so powerful. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having us. This is awesome. Uh, Thanks so much. tap in also to the community which i i miss very much i do too for sure for sure well have a wonderful wonderful covid uh quarantine (laughs) i'll see you when uh, we all have vaccines (laughs) or not depending if you're anti-vax or not another goldfish anti-goldfish debate yeah but sending a lot of love to you both and um, just supporting you from afar. Yeah. Ditto. Thanks so much for having us. Bye. Bye, ladies. Peace out.